This is Live La Belladita with your host, Don Catherine. If you're looking to know all the latest beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. Do you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense? This is your show. It's Live La Bella Vita on Toginet with Dawn Catherine. If you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes from the vine to the bottle, if you love Italian food and want to learn Nana's recipes, you enjoy travel and want to know the best luxury destinations and resorts, love spending time with La Familia, does your business or passion allow you to live La Bella Vita? Let's find out. All that and a little more with an Italian flair. This is Live La Bella Vita on Toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Don Catherine. Ben Nuvido, and welcome to La Bella Vita Show. I'm Don Catherine, your hostess with the mostess, and I hope that you have poured yourself a nice big glass of wine and are ready for another great show about living La Bella Vita. If you're listening to me live, thank you so much for joining me live. If you are listening to me on a podcast, thanks for downloading and uh, listening to the show. And there you go, you have my dog barking in the background. Um, and uh, if you didn't know that you could um, download a a, I didn't know that you could download a show you absolutely can by going to my website, uh, to the Toganite website, and going to my webpage, and then absolutely going to iTunes and downloading it from there. And uh, my dog is barking for unknown reasons. Sorry about that. Um, if you um, want to go ahead and do that, that would be great. And um, let's see. So we're going to be talking about lots of stuff tonight, and one of them being. Uh, we're going to be talking about Paris. Are the love locks a thing of the past? Yes, they may this very well be. Uh, we're going to be talking about the 10 Tuscan highlights not to miss and the top unbeaten places that you can go visit, as well as festivals for summer that are not to be missed in Italy. So if you're planning to travel, then you really should go. Um, so there you have it. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So that would be great. And um, there you go. I really apologize for my dog barking, but someone must be at the door and won't stop. So sorry about that. Anyway, so what is going on in the world? There's lots going on in the world right now. Um, of course, as we know, what happened this week, big, huge news. <laughs> uh, Caitlyn Jenner broke the damn internet, people. She did. Amazing. So listen, Caitlyn Jenner, within four hours got over a million followers and by within I believe it was in 24 hours um, or 36 hours she um, actually was almost up to 2 million followers she got more followers quicker than the President of the United States got and I think that says a lot um, and let's just put it out there she looks flipping amazing like I like literally teared up when I saw her picture. I was so happy and thrilled for her. Um, I, I just know we've talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago. I know that this is a transition that is, you know, obviously very difficult to do at her age, which is 65, and you know, having to deal with the backlash from people and the haters out there because you know the haters are going to hate. Uh, but as I always say that love always trumps hate. So no matter how much hate 
is put out. There is much more love that is being thrown her way. So I love that. But damn, does she look great. Uh, it, it, her, the, I, I don't even know what to say. I was just so blown away. And all the pictures look magnificent. And I have to say that I got the a tweet or a text of the picture early on in the day. Like literally once it hit the wires, I got the pic. And I was just like, when I first saw it, I really honestly didn't even know that it was her. I honestly thought that it was Cindy Crawford at first. And then I was like, oh, then I realized when it said, call me Caitlin, I'm like, holy crap, because I knew she was going to be on the cover of Vanity Fair. I'm like, this is her. And then I, then when I looked at her more carefully, I really said she looked like a cross between Cindy Crawford and Jessica Lange and a little bit of Renee Russo all thrown in. And it was kind of funny because everybody thought the same thing that I did. I saw on Facebook and I saw it on, um, and, uh, on Twitter. And, and uh, people my producer, uh, is saying that she looks like Lana Del Rey, and she does. I actually saw a side-by-side of her and Lana Del Rey, and I was like, damn, she really does like her, too. So, But bravo. She's amazing. And, uh, of course, now that the cover has come out, and we've all seen the big reveal of what she looks like a woman, today E has put out the teaser uh, trailer for the series, the docu-series, which is going to be called Call Me Kate. And uh, so that's going to be very interesting to see that happen. Um, I'm dying to see it. I, I have to say I'm a little taken back by people who think this is all a publicity stunt. There was a lot of people saying that on Facebook and Twitter, you know, that this is all about publicity and whatnot. And I have to say that I really think that I don't think that somebody, anybody, uh, would put themselves through such scrutiny and put their family through such scrutiny for publicity. Because let's be Frank, you know, she has, Caitlin has a lot of money. She has her money back from when she was Bruce. And Bruce Jenner made a lot of money from all of his Olympic endorsements, his businesses, all his talks. He's worth a lot of money. He does not need more money. He's 65 years old. Like, how much more money can you have when you're already worth like 40, 50 million dollars? I mean, seriously. So I just think it's absurd that people are throwing that out there. And I just think that it's ridiculous. But very excited to watch the docuseries. Can't wait to see how it all unfolds and to watch her in the process and, and to see her and to see what she's like. Because I have to say, I was one of those people that, you know, I'm not a huge you know, watcher of keeping up with the Kardashians all the time. I'm not a fanatic about it, but I do kind of know what's going on. And I will have to say, he always kind of looked miserable. <laughs> and now that I know why it makes all, you know, obviously it makes much more sense now, yeah. but I would really like to see her at peace and, and what she's really like, because now she can be who she really is. And I think it's fantastic. So go Caitlin. Um, Obviously, there was other news in the Kardashian clan. Um, they have confirmed that Kim Kardashian is pregnant with husband Kanye West's second child, who will be due sometime this uh, year, at the end of the year. They're expecting a December baby, from what I've heard. So congratulations to them. And on a sad note, I really wanted to um, send my condolences and prayers to... Vice President Joe Biden, who lost his son, Bo Biden. Uh, Bo was 46 years old, way too young to be taken away. 
by brain cancer. Uh, from what I understand, he had been battling brain cancer for a while. He was in remission, and then it came back again uh, in May, and uh, apparently he obviously took a turn for the worse and passed away. And as far as President Biden goes and this family goes, they have suffered tragedy that is so significant from losing his wife and another child years ago uh, to now losing another child, I just think is just too much for one soul to take. And I, I can't, I can't even imagine what the family is going through and what the president, vice president is going through. So my wishes and love and, and condolences go to that family and uh, Bo Biden's wife and their children. And may he rest among angels. Um, so other things that we have going on, um, my incantatos, what has me spellbound this week. So my fashion icon, and I'm going to call it my beauty and fashion icon this week, I have to give it to Caitlin. You know, you just have to. She broke the internet this week, people. I mean, there was more tweets about Caitlyn Jenner than anybody else. And that cover, at which where she had her little bustier on, came from this, like, great little uh, shop, I guess, in West Hollywood. It's like 200 bucks. Looked great. But all the clothes in the fashion shoot that they did for the inside spread of the story were all amazing. And I just heard that uh, the, <laughs> the Vanity Fair... Um, producer for this particular article and piece, uh, she had to to use like a fake scenario because they didn't want the news to get leaked that about the photo shoot and whatnot. And apparently, in order to pull clothes, she actually said that the clothes were for Barbara Streisand because Barbara Streisand is quite tall and has long legs. And uh, although she's not quite as tall as Bruce Jenner. She was the tallest celebrity that she could think of that was closest in shape to her. And uh, I just thought that was kind of funny. So she said that her team kind of had suspicion that something weird was going on when she was being asked, you know, they were being asked to pull all these clothes from all these different designers. And, uh, but sure enough, uh, it really was for Miss Caitlyn Jenner. So I am giving her the fashion icon because truly, if there's anybody who has come out as a fashion and beauty icon this week, it's Caitlyn Jenner. So congrats to her. Uh, my wine pick for the week is Stella Rose. It's a Piedmont wine in the Piedmont region of Italia. It's a sparkling red wine, and I chose a sparkling red wine because I thought it's the time of year. It's, you know, we're in the summertime now, and, you know, everybody likes something a little bit bubbly. But it is a refreshing, bright uh, red that um, showcases hints of notes of pomegranate, crisp red pear, apple rhubarb pie flavors. So uh, check it out. It's about, I think it's about 20-something dollars a bottle. So check that out. I think that you will like that. Um, and, of course, my, my buffoon of the week has to go again to... The uh, Duggar family, who seem to, um, I, I don't even know. I don't know if they're in denial or whatever, but uh, they know that they did an interview with Megyn Kelly this week with Fox News, and that should be quite interesting to see. But I think that uh, the family is in denial that they were in denial back then, and that just kind of confuses me. So uh, I just kind of think that, uh, 
you know, that kind of deserves a little bit of buffoon of the week because they're not living reality. And I just think that it's um, a little bit bizarre that he was allowed to be around his sisters and, you know, really didn't get treatment. And the way the whole thing went down was just kind of suspicious to me and uh, kind of hypocritical. So uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, Paris and Tuscan towns and whatnot. So we'll see you on the other side of break. It's Don Catherine. This is a little Bella Vita show. We will see you on the other side. La Bella Vita. Stay with us to learn more about the latest beauty tricks of the trade and latest fashion trends before anybody else. We'll be back with more Live La Bella Vita right after these on Toginet.com. This is God in Country. The Collision of Faith and Politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology, and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. Do you want to get a contact high? Tune in for fun, inspiration, and motivation every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Learn how to maximize your mojo and just say no to the status quo. Get inspired and motivated by a fun-loving coach who knows what it's like to get through this thing called life. With your High on Life coach, Audra Irwin, each Friday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time and 12 noon Eastern. From thence, I had great desire to see Italy, and came to Venice, and from thence to Florence, where I played before the Duke, and got great favors. If it's good enough for Sting, it's good enough for us. This is Live La Bella Vita on Toginet. If you love Italian food, you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, you love travel and luxury destinations and resorts, this is your show. It's Live La Bella Vita. All with an Italian flair. Now, 
Let's get back to the show on Toginet. It's Live La Bella Vita. And here again is your host, Don Catherine. And welcome back. This is Don Catherine. It's the La Bella Vita show, and we are talking about a lot of travel stuff on the show tonight. First of all, uh, Paris city officials have started to remove padlocks symbolically fastened to one of the French capital's main bridges by loved-up couples trying a love lock on the Pontiac before throwing the key into the River Saint-Benit has become a tra- tourist tradition in recent years, but part of the bridge railing collapsed under the weight last year. Close to one million locks weighing 45 tons are due to be cut off over the next few days. And actually, I was watching a periscope and uh, got to see them taking down the uh, taking down the the locks. And actually, what they did is they're not like just cutting all the locks out, which you know a million locks would be impossible. They actually took each section of it, and they're actually going to be keeping them, which I think is kind of cool. They, they, there's been many, I guess, offers to do something in some way to display them someplace else, which I think would be great. Um, but uh, they are moving, and they also did it uh, at the other bridge, the, uh, the Pont de la Cave near Notre Dame Cathedral, which is where one of my best friends in the world put a lock um, on when her and her now husband got engaged. So um, she's a little bit disappointed at the locks. But, um, but what, they, what they have done is the metal grates that were on the bridge um, dated back to 1804. They were being replaced by these panels by a painted street artist, which I have to tell you, I saw them not that impressed, but they're going to be replaced, so it doesn't matter. They're not a permanent uh, replacement. Uh, they will be putting up transparent panels, uh, will be put in later this year, um, and it is definitely the end of the padlocks. Um, said Bruno Juilliard, who is the Paris deputy mayor. He said that they spoil the aesthetics of the bridge and structural, they were structurally bad for it and can cause accidents, obviously. They didn't want anybody to get hurt, and I can totally understand that. Uh, but uh, there was an American tourist uh, who told Reuters that they came to the bridge with the idea of putting a lock but found out it's now closed and illegal to do so. So they said that they were going to put it at the very end of the bridge so no one can see. I don't know how that worked out for them. Um, So uh, we'll see. So a campaign by the city last year to get people to just take selfies instead of attaching the locks was not so successful. So they really had to go to this point where they just took it out. And we've talked about it in the past. Venice has also struggled to detour tourists from attaching locks to the Rialto Bridge. And in New York, amateur locksmiths launched a campaign to remove locks from the Brooklyn Bridge. And what the thing is, which is funny about the Rialto Bridge is I have no idea where they're putting them on the Rialto Bridge because there's really no place to to, to put them. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's something that goes on everywhere. But I am glad that they are going to be keeping them because I definitely think that uh, it's something that should be definitely kept and someone should put it on display because I think that's kind of a cool thing for people to, you know, be able to see I, I don't think that anybody would be able to find their lock among one million, but I think it's something that will be cool in years to come for somebody to say, see, this is what the crazy people did. <laughs> so anyway, um, there's a lot going on in the world of Google. And if you are somebody who uses the, the web to get your web fairs and whatnot and book your hotels, then you are going to love the fact that Google uh, has a new thing uh, called Google Flights. 
And um, basically, for travelers using Google Flights and Google Apps, uh, you know, it is a awesome thing because Google Flight search function is easier than a cheetah on a bullet train. The same speed you expect when you type a question into Google search bar happens with fair searches on Google Flights. How Google uses the same data on other, the other sites have, it just processes it faster because that's what Google does. If you're deciding where to fly, Google Flights shows maps and gives you fares. Um, with prices and fares, and it helps travelers who have flexibility is where Google Flight excels. Select a vague destination like Florida or Western Europe, and ad pops up shockingly simple map of airports and their cheapest flight prices. A search for an escape to Florida the second week in May revealed round-trip flights from New York City to Fort Lauderdale for $197. Compare that with Daytona Beach at $440, it's a no-brainer. You can sort of do this with kayak but you can't select you can only select four airports and the results aren't as clear and if you have flexible dates it's even better so let's say I pick Fort Lauderdale for May 7th to a May 10th getaway I click the city and a handy blue bar graph of the price uh, flight prices spring up I run my cursor over it no extra clicks or searches and see that if I switch my vacation to May 6th through 9th, flights were $10 less. If I waited until May 8th to 11th, the dough, they jump up to $207. So even if you're not one to nickel and dime, it's reassuring to know that you didn't accidentally choose the most expensive weekend to hit the beach. Google Flight shows the best flights first, not the cheapest. Rock bottom price itineraries often have drawbacks like gaping layovers, which everybody hates unless you're me and they have really good shopping and then the layover is everything people but google first lets its flights list flights it considers the best trade-off of price during stops and fees it's no surprise that spirit airlines offers the 197 dollar flight but even with baggage fees it's listed as one of the best shorter than three hours and non-stop for travelers the free google app is surprisingly good i don't know about you but iphone siri hates me she hates me, people. She does not like me, and I have cursed her out, and she says that she is sorry that I feel that way about her, which is kind of hilarious. But she misunderstands everything I say, and she usually refuses to provide any information beyond offering to search the web. The Google app works way better, and ask where's a good cocktail bar around here because, as everybody knows, I love me a good cocktail, and it instantly lists three with pictures that are not only nearby but quality places you'd actually want to hang out in. Say, show me trips, and it will sift through your Gmail confirmation email and neatly present itineraries. The free Google uh, Translate app is so quick and can practically read your mind. Take a picture of a sign in one of 36 languages, even offline, and Google Translate will tell you what it says. Speak into it, and you can have an instantaneously translated conversation with a person speaking one of only, over 90 languages. Google is a little like Mr. Wonka, fully aware with when you scan fizzy lifting drink on Mr. Trask, but who knows everything? But when you're traveling, you might love Big Brother, at least give him a shot. So I think this whole Google thing is going to be fantastic. I'm a Google girl anyway, so for me, this is a no-brainer. So 
I am going to be using it all of the time. Now, speaking of travel, Europe is going to be bracing itself for a summer travel crush. With record crowds expected in Europe this summer, museums and landmarks are hiring crowd control experts and extending hours in diverting tourists. Who ever heard about tourist places trying to divert tourists, but they really are. As a matter of fact, last week, the Palace of Versailles was bracing for huge crowds last weekend, posted an unusual request on its website. It didn't ask tourists to arrive early or buy advance tickets. It just urged them to not come at all. If possible, we advise you to postpone your visit of the palace, officials recommended. Otherwise, you can still enjoy the fountain shows in the gardens. A perfect summer storm is gathering to create cultural gridlock in Europe with the dollar at about 25 stronger 25% stronger against the euro than this time last year. Hordes of first-time travelers are expected to to converge on the continent's most famous museums and landmarks. The World's Fair, the Milan Expo, which runs from May through end of October, which we've talked about before on the show, is estimated to attract more than 20 million visitors alone. And Asian tourism is booming. Chinese outnumber British visitors to Louvre and Italians at Versailles. Add that to a new spate of airfare and hotel deals and cruise ships that can hold more than 4,000 people each, and lines to get into cultural attractions are growing increasingly difficult to manage. Europe is on sale, said Ken Diaz, who is a partner in Private Shore Trips, which plans excursions for cruise ship passengers and has sold roughly 50% more tickets to European museums compared with 2014. Planning ahead is essential, he said, and if you're a Johnny-come-lately, you're not going to get in. So Vitor, booking, a tour booking company, reports that ticket price ticket purchases for the Sistine Chapel in Louvre are leading into summer travel season are up 60% over same March to mid-May period last year. The Eiffel Tower is up 175 75% from the same weeks in 2014. Landmarks in Paris and Rome lead Viator's list of top trending attractions based on the searches made on the site. And uh, to deal with the summer onslaught, officials are extending hours at major venues, consulting crowd control experts on improving museum flows and pitching obscure alternate destinations, even imitations of popular attractions. Can't get a ticket to see Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper? Milan travel officials are recommending visitors in see an exhibition in the basement of an old church based on, one, on a 16 hundreds replica of the frescoes. Others are bailing selfie sticks and imposing time limits on viewing the world's most famous artworks in Italy. Uh, the Sistine Chapel began uh, opening in late, uh, opening until midnight on Fridays with new hours also slated for Rome's Forum of Caesar, Milan's Bibliotheca, and the convent housing the Last Supper in Milan. The Tower of London has long put visitors on conveyor belts so they roll past the crown jewels at an even pace with tourists allow to repeat their circuit as often as they want. So this is just a, uh, you know, it's going to be an onslaught. So if you're heading to Europe, you need to be prepared for the crowds. So when we come back, we are going to be talking about Tuscan highlights, where you want to go if you're going to Tuscany and uh, beyond. So we'll see you on the other side of the break. And also, we're going to be talking summer festivals. Which ones will you be able to go see when you're in Italy coming up? We'll see you on the other side of break. It's Don Catherine. It's La Bella Vita Show.
This is Live La Bella Vita. Stay with us to learn more about the latest beauty tricks of the trade and latest fashion trends before anybody else. We'll be back with more Live La Bella Vita right after these on Toginet.com. Familia, faith, identity, tradición. Latina life is never boring, but it can be muy dramática. So how do you coexist between the old school ways of la abuela and the new school life you're creating for yourself without losing your faith, familia, identity, or tradiciones? Welcome to Living Latina with Francesca Escoto, where culture curls and curves collide in one spicy cross-cultural conversation that will leave you begging for mas. Francesca tackles all the important issues, from politics to family values, to religion to, you guessed it, relationships and men. As Chief Everything Officer at the WOW Factor, Francesca is passionate about showing women of all cultures, ages, and lifestyles how to rock what they've got with style, sass, and smarts. Be sure to join her every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for Living Latina, only on the WooHoo Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, tune in every Monday night during the debut episode of Paranoia Texas at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, and you will get a chance to win some very cool prizes from McDonald's, Walmart, Geek World, Red Petal Salon, and so much more. All you have to do is listen for the cue, and when you hear this music, call in. That's every Monday night at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern and win those cool prizes. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener, every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. Como bella c'è la luna, brilla e strette, strette come butto, belle e faste già. Sotto celle de Roma. If you love Italian food, you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, you love travel and luxury destinations and resorts, this is your show. All with an Italian flair. 
It's Live La Bella Vita. Now, let's get back to the show on Toginet. And here again is your host, Dawn Catherine. And welcome back. It's Dawn Catherine. This is the Bella Vita Show, and we are talking all things Tuscany right now. Tuscany, with its spectacular hill towns and scenery, is one of Italy's top vacation destinations. Tuscany's travel attractions include historic cities and art, great wine and food, medieval hill towns, beaches, and a beautiful countryside. Florence is the heart of Tuscany, is one of Italy's top cities to visit. Florence is an important Renaissance architectural and art center with several excellent museums. Florence's cathedral, which is with its famous Brunelleschi dome and baptistry, are absolutely magnificent. And where else can you go? You can go to Siena. It's a classical medieval hill town in Tuscany, famous for its large fan-shaped piazza, Piazza del Campo, and summer horse race known as Il Palio. Siena's tall bell tower, Torre del Mangia, dominates the Piazza del Campo. Siena offers other good tourist sites, including its cathedrals and museums. And then, of course, there is Pisa in northern Tuscany, famous for its leaning tower. But Pisa has much more to offer the traveler, including its medieval center, beautiful Duomo and Baptistry, park statues, the homes of Lord Byron and Shelley, and a walk along the river. I have been to Pisa. It is a beautiful place. Lucca is one of my other favorite cities. is a walled city with one of the best preserved walls in Italy. Atop the walls are walking in Beitzling Pass and gardens, allowing you to walk completely around Lucca's historic center. Lucca has several well-preserved towers from where you can get fabulous views of the city by climbing to the top. Lucca is a good city for food, shopping, and restaurants, and it is a darling place to take some really great pictures as well. Just so, it's so quaint there. I just loved Luca. It was great. And actually, outside of Luca, believe it or not, there's McDonald's. I know, not exciting, but it is. And I'm going to tell you why. Because they serve curly fries, people. That McDonald's serves curly fries. And I haven't loved curly fries, and nobody serves them anymore. I'm just saying, put it in up there. Go. Okay, the next town that you want to go to is Cortona. And why do I love Cortona? Of course, because it's a Tuscan hill town and it's made famous by Frances Mays in her book, Under the Tuscan Sun, one of my favorite books and one of my favorite movies ever. Cortona is surrounded by Etruscan walls around 3,000 years old and retains much of its history through its architecture, layers of history built upon the Etruscan core. Cortona has stately buildings, interesting medieval architecture, beautiful views, and a large expatriate community, so you'll find lots of English spoken there. Of course, there's a lot more English there now, because after Under the Tuscan Sun, everybody who had the money to took off and went to Cortona and bought villas and bought them all up and are living the life of luxury now. One of my other favorite towns is San Gimignano. It's known as the City of Beautiful Towers. It's a classical medieval walled hill town famous for its 14 surviving medieval towers, creating a beautiful skyline visible from the surrounding countryside. Near San Gimignano, you can also visit Volterra, an interesting hill town that sees fewer tourists. And we talked about Volterra a couple weeks ago. And of course, Volterra is... Definitely famous if you happen to be a fan of that certain vampire movie franchise because 
part of it was filmed there. Of course, the Chianti Classical wine region is between the largest cities of Florence and Siena, and it is a very interesting region to visit. The Chianti region has picturesque villages, wineries, and a beautiful countryside. It's a good place to start your wine tastings, and there's many places that you could go to to do wine tastings, olive oil tastings, and whatnot. But the Chianti Classical wine region is absolutely stunningly beautiful and uh, can't get enough of it. Multipolciano is a walled city in Tuscany as well, built on a sloping and narrow limestone ridge. Multipolciano is known for the wine called Amino Nobile, has one of the most impressive main squares in Tuscany and has many beautiful Renaissance buildings. Nearby is Multicino, known for its great wine with a castle at the edge of the town and that has a great wine tasting there as well. Of course, there's other ones, uh, other cities called Pienza and Valdiochia. Pienza is designed to be the ideal city. is a pretty Renaissance town in the Valdiochia of Tuscany. Pienza is famous for its pecorino cheese. People, we who does not love pecorino cheese? Uh, Piccolomini Palace and balcony overlooking the beauty of Valdiochia is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and we have talked about it on this show before. Uh, and then, of course, there's the Monte Cantini Therm, is known for its thermal waters. It's one of Italy's top spa towns. It has several historical spas and spas with modern equipment for beauty and wellness treatments. Uh, Terme is a lavish classic spa with music performances daily during the season. Worth a visit just to see the Liberty-style architecture. The town itself is a pleasant and relaxed and makes a good base for visiting central Tuscany. A historic funicular railway uh, takes visits up to the hill, up to the old, into the old town. So it is beautiful to say the least. So those are the top 10 places that you can go in Tuscany. And I know that we have talked about many of these places in great detail, but I'm just going to kind of give you obviously some sort of an overview. But the next places that I wanted to talk to you are the best hill towns. The Umbria region is in the center of Italy, has many Etruscan sites and medieval hill towns. Umbria is often called Italy's green heart for its nature parks. Umbria also has one of Italy's largest lakes, spectacular waterfalls, and an interesting mummy collection. Who knew? Uh, here are the top top places to visit on vacation in Umbria. Assisi is famous as the hometown of St. Francis or San Francesco, the patron saint of Italy. The St. Francis Basilica in Assisi holds the tomb of St. Francis and is a popular tourist and pilgrimage destination. Assisi also has several other interesting churches, Roman ruins, medieval sites, museums, and shops in its walled medieval center. There are good walks from town into the nearby countryside. See, uh, you can see just about anything. One of the things I, I know that I've talked about on the show, if you listened to me before in the past talk about CC, when I have visited there, I have to tell you, it was one of the most peaceful places that I had ever been in my entire life. I don't know what it is about the aura of that place, but I was literally had no stress, nothing. I was totally at peace. It's just totally beautiful. You really can feel the tranquility. The one thing that I can say as a Catholic person I was very excited to see a real Francis a, a, a real monk, a Franciscan monk, and um, they're, they're not amused. They see tourists all the time, and here I am, this little Catholic girl, like, you know, all excited to see 
a monk and they could have cared less that I was there. So that was a little bit disappointing. I'm sure they didn't mean anything by it because again, they get tourists all the time, but it was a little bit disappointing because I was so excited to see them other way around, not so much, but it's all good. Uh, Orvieto is one of my favorite places in the world, sitting atop a huge tougher cliffs. The hill town of Orvieto makes an impressive site inhabited since Etruscan times. Orvieto's monuments and museums cover millenniums of history. Its stunning Duomo with its mosaic facade is one of the best medieval monuments in all of Italy. Orvieto is easily reached by car or train and makes a good Rome day trip or a good base for exploring southern Umbria and Tuscany. The area around Orvieto is dotted with Etruscan tombs and vineyards. I absolutely adore Orvieto. And I can tell you, I have uh, experienced many crazy things in Orvieto. Uh, if, I think I've talked about it on the show. And if I, uh, yeah, I've talked about my wild nights. And I have talked about how I've been in this little villa that was, um, you know, maybe a little bit haunted. And it was kind of crazy. But Orvieto itself is just this most magnificent, beautiful little little city that is a must stop when you are going through the hill towns and also Perugia is Umbria's capital and largest town it's a lively little hill town with Etruscan and medieval roots there's a lot to do and see in Perugia and since it's well served by public transportation it makes a good base for exploring Umbria's hill towns Perugia has a good Italian language school if you're looking to learn Italian a world famous jazz festival and a chocolate festival sign me up chocolate lovers might want to try Perugia's Etruscan Choc Hotel where there's a restaurant with a chocolate menu like I need to go there the next time. Perugia is on my list. I've not gone. And of course, I you know, the Perugina chocolate company is there and I am damned and determined to go there the next time to take the tour and go. Because guess what happens, people? You know that bocce is my favorite candy ever. Chocolate, you know, the the bocce kisses, the Italian kisses, my favorite thing ever. And you can go and see the whole production of bocce being made, all the Perugina candies being made. And at the end of the tour, what happens? The best thing that could ever possibly happen to a chocolate-holic like myself is they let you have as much bocce as you possibly could want. Like, seriously, I probably would dive head first. And I probably would be like, you know, have a big bag and just be like shoveling it into my bag as fast as possible until someone told me I couldn't do it anymore because I love it that much. It's just so amazing. So, uh, and of course, Perugia is famous for a very well-known trial that just kind of wrapped up a, once again. Uh, so who knows? Uh, you might want to go and uh, check it out there. So we will be coming back. We'll see you on the other side of the break. It's Don Catherine. This is the La Bella Vita Show. La Bella Vita. Stay with us to learn more about the latest beauty tricks of the trade and latest fashion trends before anybody else. We'll be back with more Live La Bella Vita right after these on toginet.com. Besame, besame mucho. Have you heard? 
The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Vilasi is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures. To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons, her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine, and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. If you love Italian food, you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, you love travel and luxury destinations and resorts, this is your show. All with an Italian flair. It's Live La Bella Vita. Now, let's get back to the show on Toginet. And here again is your host, Don Catherine. Hey, it's Don Catherine. This is the La Bella Vita show. And we are talking about my favorite place in the world, Italy. And we are talking about summer festivals. As you know, Italy has some of the most amazing festivals that you can ever imagine. And as a matter of fact, the other day, as I know that I've been telling you a million times lately about Periscope, but I happened to be on Periscope the other day and there was a lady who was in Orvieto and she actually uh, Periscoped a uh, festival that was going on where they had the flags, uh, the different quads of the city doing the flags, which I thought was amazing to be able to see that in real time. And anyway, so if you're not on Periscope, go and get on Periscope. I'm telling you, you will love it. You get to see the eyes, the, the, the world through the eyes of somebody else who's there. So it's really fun to be able to go. Like I was saying about the Paris story, Paris story earlier, I was able to watch somebody 
uh, take, you know, who was periscoping, I was able to watch them taking down the sections of the bridge in Paris with the locks. And how cool is that to be able to be able to see that? So anyway, summer brings many festivals to Italy. Look for posters announcing a festa or a segra. As you travel around Italy, even in smaller villages, many Italian towns have outdoor music concerts beginning in June too. So here are some of the highlights of June. Italy's Festa della Repubblica or Republic Day was yesterday. It is a national holiday uh, and it was it is celebrated throughout Italy but the biggest festivals is in Rome. The Feast of Corpus Christi or Corpus Domini uh, 60 days after Easter and the Feast of Day of San Giovanni Battista, St. John the Baptist are on June 24th and is celebrated in many parts of Italy. So where can you find some of these places? I'm telling you, they're all over the place. The Corpus Domini, here are some good places to go see the Corpus Domini festivals. In Rome, an outdoor evening mass is celebrated at San Giovanni in Laterno, Rome's cathedral, followed by a procession led by the Pope from there to Santa Maria Maggiore. Orvieto has a costumed procession over 400 people and streets are decorated with flowers. And Casaroto in the Trentino Alto Aldage region has a huge festival. In Fiorata, spectacular flower petal art displays are held in many towns. The Sunday after Corpus Domini, in Fiata Guide, more about the Inferata um, and where to go see it um, will be available on my webpage, on my show page. So go look for that. The Tuscan Sun Festival is a top summer arts festival that gathers well-known artists and musicians for a week of music, art, cuisine, wine, and wellness. It was pre previously held in Cortona, is now held in Florence in June. The program also includes cooking demonstrations, art exhibition, pre-concert receptions with locally made products and Tuscan wines. And um, it is a lovely experience. There also is the Luminaria of Sant Ranieri, which is celebrated on June 26th in Pisa. It's the eve of feast day of St. Ranieri, Pisa's patron saint. The Arno River buildings lining the river and bridges are illuminated with flames of over 70,000 lumini, small glass candle holders. I can't even imagine how beautiful that is. And then the historic, historic regatta of St. Ranieri is held the next day, June 17th, Four boats, one from each of Pisa's districts, row against the Arnold River's current. When a boat arrives at the finish line, one man climbs up a 25-foot rope to reach the victory flag. On June 24th, San Giovanni or St. John Feast Day, the feast uh, is celebrated in many parts of Italy. The Segra di San Giovanni is the oldest historic event on Lake Como. Hundreds of tiny lamps float in the lake, and there are a big fireworks display in the evening. The following morning, Brig bring, brings a boat parade with traditional boats decorated with flowers, followed by folk dancing and flag-throwing competitions. Events are held the weekend closest to St. John's Day. It's also celebrated in Florence this Sunday following June 24th with a medieval tournament followed by music, drinking, and feasting. In the evening on the Arno River, there is a palio of rowboats carrying lit candles followed by fireworks. And in Fabriano, there is a four-day event in central, central Italy's Marche region culminating on June 24th with a beautiful inferata tapestry made of 
flower petals. Events include traditional medieval competitions with participants dressed in period costume, flag, throwing performances, and crafts and food stands. And in the Igaco del Ponte, the game of the bridge held the last Sunday in June in Pisa. In this contest between north and south sides of the Arno River, the two teams try to push a huge cart into the opposing side's territory to claim possession of the bridge before there is a battle. There's a huge parade on each side of the river with participants in period costumes. And the International Ceramic Festival comes to Montulupo in Tuscany the last week of June. And there is a medieval festival is recreated in the Umbrian town of Bevnagna at the last week of June. And the Festival di Mundi, Festival of Two Worlds, is Italy's most famous performing arts festival, attended by some of the world's top artists. It features concert, operas, ballet, films, and art from late June through mid-July. The festival was first started in 1958 by composer Giancarlo Minotti with the intention of bringing together the old and new worlds of Europe and America. It's in Spoleto in central Italy's Umbria region. So that's what's going on in July. So what's going on in uh, July? Il Palio di Siena. Siena's most famous horse race around the central square Piazza del Campo takes place July 2nd and August 16th. You may be able to snag a standing place. Reserve seats are sold out in advance. Um, before the race, there's spectacular procession with the people in medieval costume. The festival, uh, Festa della Madonna Bruna, is celebrated July 2nd in the city of Matera, an interesting town with cave dwelling Sassi in the Basilicata region of southern Italy. A huge flow of the Madonna Bruna is paraded through town. Finally, the statue is attacked torn apart and burned, accompanied by spectacular fireworks displayed over the Sassi, the best fireworks display that you could ever see. And uh, pretty cool. A medieval fest is held the first weekend in July in Brazella, an interesting medieval hill town and spa center in the Emilia-Romana region of northern Italy. The Nostra Signora di Montalegro is held at the beginning of July in the Ligurian coastal resort town of Rapallo. The highlight is the procession. A fireworks display culminates the festivities that take place on July 3rd. Just three days before my birthday, people. The uh, Giastra della Quintana is a joust held in Foliano. I've, I've been to Foliano. It's a beautiful little place in Umbria. The first Saturday in July and the second Sunday in September, over 600 participants compete wearing traditional 17th century clothing. There are usually several thousand spectators, but even if you can't see the joust, you'll probably see people walking around in their costumes. The La Aria di San Costantino is a horse race around the sanctuary of St. Constantino in the central Sardinian town of Sedillo, July 5th through 6th, July 5th through 7th, rather, takes place during my birthday week. The race takes place twice in the evening and again the following morning after most of the riders have been up drinking all night. That's going to go well. There are also food booths, so there's a good chance to try some Sardinian specialties. Read more. Um, lots more going on with that. Uh, and then there is... This, the Feast of Santa Rosalia is one of Sicily's biggest festivals, which is held July 10th through the 15th in Palermo. And um, there is a procession that centers around a 50-foot high float with statue of Santa Rosalia and a musical band inside. There is lots of feasting and music going on. 
the Rendatore Church Feast Day is the third Sunday in July on Venice's Judica Island. There is a parade of decorated boats and a big fireworks display around midnight. Now, I can't tell you, but Venice fireworks, amazing. Uh, the Festa di Notari is a street fair held in the Trastevere neighborhood of Rome during the last two weeks of July. Also in Rome in late July is an international fashion show at the Spanish Steps, Dona Sote La Stelle. Now, who wouldn't want to go see an international film, uh, an international fashion show in Rome? Hello. The Terrizieri Palio takes place from the third through the four Sundays in July in the small historic town of Monte Cassiano in the Central Marque region, the Palio reenacts historic competitions from the early 1400s amongst the town's three neighborhoods. Other events include parades with participants in medieval costume, medieval street scenes, music, and booth stands. The Feast of Santa Andrea the Apostle is celebrated in Pescara on the Adriatic coast the last Sunday in July with a huge parade of fishing boats off the coast. And the Festa del Cristo de Abisi has an unusual procession to the underwater statue of the Christ of San Frutuso on the Ligurian coast, which is, takes place on July 29th. The 2.5 meter high bronze statue molded from medals of mariners and athletes and parts of ships and bells is dedicated to those who lost their lives at sea. A laurel crown is placed at the base of the statue and mass is held on the beach. So it's a really beautiful thing. So if you are planning to go to Italy and you happen to be around one of these particular places during one of the um, feasts, I definitely think that you should take the opportunity to go and check it out. They are all fascinating and really show you some of the ancient culture of Rome and the ancient culture of all of these different cities and the ancient culture of Italy as a whole. So I think you really should check it out. So. There you have it. I hope that um, you are excited as I am that the euro has gone down so that we as Americans can go over and not spend an arm and a leg to go and see Europe. Now that the dollar is about at a dollar six uh, against the euro, you're only paying six months, six cents more for for one euro, which is fantastic as opposed to a dollar seventy as it was you know, a year ago, two years ago. So I hope that you enjoy this show. I want to thank my producer, Karina, down there in Texas for helping me out tonight. We'll see you next week on another great edition of the La Bella Vita Show. This is Don Catherine, and I just want to say Arrivederci. Ciao, ciao. Thank you for being a part of Live.